0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPGA professional Cindy Miller. And we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the BlogTalkRadio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning once again, everybody, and thank you for joining us here live on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odarico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are, of course, your host. Good morning, Cindy.
0: Good morning, Ted. How are you today?
1: I am doing fantastic. Another beautiful, sunny day here in the South, so I can't complain, and and, um, seeing lots of uh, encouraging posts, as I'm sure you probably are, with people uh, getting out to the golf course and uh, enjoying themselves. I think we've been we've been cooped up long enough, uh, in some cases, and I think everybody's just itching to get outside and and uh, get back to some sort of a normalcy. But um, uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. All right, we got a great show for you this morning. Uh, coming a little bit later on in the broadcast, on the second half, uh, we're welcoming back uh, Maggie Will. She's the founder of Will to Golf. Uh, also, the founder and owner of Get Fit for Putting, and she's a three-time LPGA Tour winner. Uh, but first, we're going to be hen- entering in the No BS Zone once again here in just a moment. Um, but I want to remind everybody that Golf Talk, or sorry, The Women of Golf is brought to you by iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports uh, is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming. Designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts, uh, golf tips magazine, the game's most in-depth instruction, uh, magazine offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at GolfTipsMag.com. Um, before we start the, uh, the, uh, no BS zone, we got a great, um, topic this morning too. Um, as I was just telling you, I'm really, really excited. As For those of you that have been tuning into the broadcast here the last little while, you may have heard me mention once or twice um, that I purchased Golf Tips magazine. So, of course, it's uh, it belongs to, to me now. And uh, I'm really, really excited because we're getting ready to do the first issue since I've taken over, which will be uh, available uh, around the middle of June on newsstands. And around that time, it'll be going out to subscribers as well. Um, That'll be the July-August issue. So I'm really, really excited for a number of reasons, first and foremost. Obviously, it's going to be the first uh, issue that I'm going to be uh, publishing. Um, But a lot of great people, including uh, Cindy Miller, of course, who is not only going to be doing uh, her usual great and wonderful golf tips, But she's also going to be putting in a series called Back Nine to the Boardroom, which is going to be great for those of you out there that uh, really want to tie together your business life and golf. And we're going to talk uh, about that um, uh, a little bit later as well. Um, So Cindy, I'm 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 really I'm really stoked for this. I'm really excited about uh, this publication. I'm I'm glad to have you on board uh, on the magazine as well.
0: You should be excited. This is great. I can't believe yeah, all the stuff you're doing. This is amazing.
1: <laughs> well, I, I learned from the master sp- I uh, think plate spinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I've been hearing you. Yeah, I've been
1: hearing you talk about for so, <laughs> for so many years about spinning all these plates, and I thought if she can do it, I can do it. Of course, I broke a few along the way, so <laughs> I don't know if I'm as proficient as you are, but we um, all I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. So, how are things? Let me just be, again. We got a few minutes here before we uh, get into the no BS zone. Um, how are things up in your neck of You're obviously still up in Buffalo because uh, with travel restrictions and things like that. But I know you've been teaching lessons along the way. Um, um, but um, how are things overall? Are you starting to see more and more people, um, you know, itching to get back out, or, or what's the scoop?
0: Well, the it was snowing sideways on Saturday and we canceled <laughs> lessons because it was 34 degrees and wow, it, there was snow on the ground laying on the ground. So that was a little depressing and Sunday was not as bad, but still really cold. And right. yesterday was a little better, but raining all day. And today the sun is out and the birds are chirping. So I think there's hope. I think, uh, given friday it starts to turn the corner and gets up into right. the 50s and higher 50s and then next week it's in the 60s so it's like yay well, spring is yeah. coming but it's been uh it's been a long time a coming start. so i need to get out and lose you know the 10 or 15 pounds i've gained sitting here in my butt but um <laughs> things are looking better our county will, some things might open Friday, but maybe not till next
1: week. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as everybody, of course, is closely following um, the news and, and trying to decide what's, what's happening and what's not. Obviously, a lot of um, places are still, uh, um, you know, under quarantine, I guess, is, is uh, the best way to put it and uh obviously, some of our larger cities in the areas um various states are are still uh being closely watched obviously uh new york and l a and and some of the others that have uh have had uh, many many cases and and many many losses so um, we're going to continue to keep everybody in our thoughts and prayers and just, you know, if you do go outside, uh, I think the best advice we can give you is just be, be cautious. I mean, certainly, you know, we know you need to get out. We know you've got to do things, but just use some, some common sense and, and just follow the directions of, of the, um, healthcare providers that are, you know, we see all, all the time in the news and they're giving you, I think some good advice and, um, You know, there'll be a day when when we can put this well behind us, but for the time being, we've we've still got to be a little bit more cautious. So uh, on that note, uh, Cindy, let's uh, enter the no BS zone. And I I came across these, uh, what I thought would be um, a a really interesting topic, and it's uh, it's called the four short game practice drills. And these are some of the short game drills that uh, are often used by tour players uh, when they want to hone their short game and, uh, skills and and um, uh, make more ups and downs this season if you want to do that. So I know we're we're still a little bit under lockdown and we're just slowly getting back out to the golf course. But these would be some great way to start um, if you want to get uh, your your game fired up again for the season. So um, the first one, Cindy, and I'm, I'm just going to read a couple of things and then we'll we'll have some conversation on it. Uh, and this one's uh, the first one is uh, one club, two distances. So in order to become a, a genius, if you will, from 100 yards in. Uh, which is often referred to as the scoring zone, uh, you need to really develop your feel. So a great way to practice is to hit the same club um, several distances um, to help your, uh, so I'll I'll give you just a couple of quick uh, examples. So let's say you're starting uh, at 125 yards and hit one ball to a target. So you pick whatever club that you would normally uh, hit 125 yards, even 50 yards and using the same club. um, And you've obviously got a target that you've picked up. So, the idea is you're going to go through um, your, your wedges in this particular case. If you've got three wedges, and if not, you could use, you know, if you've got two wedges, you could use two wedges, maybe even your 9-iron um, to, to compensate. But the idea is you want to pick um, three clubs, and you want to hit both of them two different distances. So this way it gives you some options. Um, this is something, Cindy, I, I know you're probably very familiar with, Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about that tour players really like to hone in, um, on this. They don't, you know, we've got 14 clubs in the bag. Um, they know what distances they're going to hit, but sometimes you've got those in between shots. And this is really what this is talking about is those in between shots or when you don't need to hit the full, um, pitching wedge, you know, if it's 125 yards, you may only have to hit it 115 as they indicate here. Give us just a little bit of dialogue, if you would, as far as what you used to do to sort of warm up under these same conditions.
0: Well, I would put markers out, <clears throat> it's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and I have a little spreadsheet, and what I do is I practice where I'm gripping and how big I'm swinging and how okay. far it's flying. So I practice how far I fly the ball. So let's say we're going to start at 50 yards. Can you use a lob wedge from 50? Sure, you can use a lob wedge from 50. Can you use a sand wedge? Yes. Could you use a gap wedge? Yes. So what if you had to hit it really high over a bunker? Um, you might want to use your lob wedge. If it's a normal lie and normal conditions, you might use your sand wedge. And if it's the wind's in your face and there's nothing in front of you to go over, you might use a gap wedge. So are you gripping down, are you gripping middle, and are you gripping end? So I change where I grip it and then how big I swing it. So if I swing it below my waist, that might be 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock or 2 to 10 or 10 to 2, whichever way you see a clock. Um, Or if it's at your waist, it would be 9 to 3. And then if it's above the waist, it could be 2 to 10 or 4, whatever way you see that. And then... I actually would write these down so I knew where I was gripping and how big I was swinging to fly the ball certain distances. So, yes, you can do the same thing with um, these other distances that you've got here, 75, 85, 95, 105. Again, it's all about distance control, and you're right. She or he who gets it up and down the most wins.
1: Right, exactly. You know, we, we often see our amateur golfers focusing on, in my opinion, the wrong end of the, uh, the golf game. They're more concerned about their tee shot, and that's certainly an important shot, no doubt. Um, but they're spending more time on, on how far they're hitting their drives and uh, the accuracy of their drives, which is important. But if you can't use uh, these clubs that we're talking about or if your short game is not really tight, um, you know, you can hit it in the middle of the fairway. But then if you can't control your distance with your irons, um, whether it be an approach out to the green or maybe you're off the green, as as you pointed out, Cindy, a little bit, and you've got a bunker to go over, if you can't control those shots, you can hit the most perfect drive down the middle of the fairway. But then when it comes to closing the deal, as we say, um, you're just going to burn away shots. And this is why you see so many of our golfers still struggling to break 100. So really what what this drill is talking about, uh, just to sort of wrap it up, is um, you're going to basically play, and, and you can do more, but this is just a, a, a quick example, is, is you've, you've created six distances, but you're using three wedges, and as I said, you may have to adjust, and you can use different clubs as well, um, but you're going to two different distances. So, um, And as Cindy pointed out, um, you know some players choke down uh, on the club and change their ball position for distance control, and others use uh, swing length and tempo. So you can experiment what works uh, both for you, but the idea is, Um, you want to be able to to take those 14 clubs eventually in your bag and you want to have multiple distances through various uh, adjustments in that in your in your grip and and in your uh, you know perhaps in some cases ball position and so forth because that Mm -hmm. way when you get faced with a distance um, right Cindy you're going to be able to say okay this is 105 yards well I don't have a club that I swing full at 105 but if I choke down on you know, whatever club it may be, um, I know I'm going to get that distance. So, uh, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a great right. And and this is why the pros. This is what really differentiates. Everybody looks. Well, they're you know they're pure ball strikers and you know they had, And that's true, but a lot of it is because they they hone in on on some of these things. So, uh, here's another one, Cindy. That that I think a lot of amateurs could really uh, um, draw from. And that's real short game practice. And uh, this is a little bit different than the last one. So one of the first things that, you know, we we talk about with amateurs is how they practice. And more often than not, you know, maybe a fundamental change is necessary, but um, we try to instill practice as you play philosophy, which means that you simulate the golf course as much as you can. So... Um, you know, uh, maybe a, a great drill, short game drill is to take 20 balls and drop them around the practice screen from different lies and positions. And for each shot, you want to go through your routine and set, um, and just as you would on the golf course and imagine that you're playing a competition on whatever golf course you normally play. So the idea is this comes into sort of the visual, uh, visualization, if you will, of, uh, when you're in a practice session, instead of just, you know, standing there and raking balls, um, and hitting one after another, that you actually create scenarios and mimic what you might be doing on the golf course. And this is something I know you do a lot with your students. So maybe touch uh, a little bit about that as well.
0: Well, again, you want to practice like you are playing rather than just rake and hit, rake and hit, rake and hit. You want to test yourself and you can play little games and say, okay, I'm going to hit a ball from here you know, from five yards, 10 yards, just off the edge of the green. And then I'm going to, I have to get it up and down. So maybe you drop five balls or throw them, just toss them out there. And so you get any kind of lie. You're not making a perfect lie. And then you walk up and choose your clubs and go through the whole process and hit each shot and then walk up and make the putt and then count how many balls can I get up and down from this, you know, all these different locations.
1: Right. Right. And, and you know, a, a great, to, to add a little pressure is, you know, to yourself is when you've, you know, when you've made an up and down, you move on to the next ball. So let's say if you put, you don't have to do 20, but let's say you put 10 down. The idea is that you want to um, create a scenario where, you know, you're satisfied with the result you're getting and then you can move on. In some cases, if it's involving putting, let's say, as an example, um, you know, you might want a hole. Um, a high percentage of the putts, if, you know, if you're further away, then it might be a little more difficult. But, you know, if you're close up, let's say, you know, within that three foot range, um, you want to hole all the putts and you don't move on to the next target, if you will. So you're going to create a lot of different scenarios around the green that you may be in challenges. So um, but the key thing is you want to practice your routine, get your process the same and focusing on um it should be consistent no matter what the shot or situation um you want to use your imagination and visualization as i mentioned you know imagine that you're on the golf course and and uh, you know you can kind of create uh, different scenarios on the practice tee um, and and as i just mentioned simulate pressure uh, while you're practicing um always make it fun playing from different lies and, and trying different shots uh, and give every shot a purpose instead of just being another practice ball. In other words, don't just stand there raking balls and and hitting them out there. Give every shot a purpose. Imagine you're you know, you've got that 150 yard shot, or you've got that, um, you know, a 90 yard uh, lob shot, uh, you know, over a, a a bunker to a tight pin, or, you know, whatever the, whatever the case is, you know, use a little imagination, um, and I think you'll you'll find that you'll begin to start improving. Um, and and Cindy, this is something that we see so many times with, with a lot of our amateurs is they just don't do anything that even resembles what we're just talking about, right? I mean, they just go out there and they're hitting balls. They're not really focusing on anything. And, um, you know, they they wonder why they're not going to improve. So food for thought, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: All right. You know
0: what? Um, I don't think that people really – I don't know that they think about what they're doing before they do it. Sometimes no. they just automatically go grab a sand wedge when they should be using a pitching wedge and, and hitting a flop shot when they should be hitting a chip and run. So I would challenge right. you know, everyone to just stop and think, what's my smartest play from this position? So I think that will help all by itself.
1: Right, exactly. Um, number three is see it, feel it, and trust it. Uh, And this is really an interesting drill. And again, this is something else that's taken away from tour players. They've they've talked to many, many tour players. And these are a lot of the different things that we're talking about. Components are things that they do uh, on a regular basis. And this is, again, why they're out there on the tour and and we're not. So, Or at least I'm not. Um, So this is a great drill for improving your chipping quickly and works on using a variety of clubs from the same distance. So you can see the benefit of using less lofted clubs uh, from around the green. So an example... Uh, from the edge of the green, pick a hole on the practice screen that's maybe 20 to 25 feet away. Take your six iron and go through your pre-shot routine. Your pre-shot should have three main steps, visualization, feel, and trust. So when you're visualizing your, your shot, ask yourself where the ball will land and how it will roll out to the hole and where, the hole, uh, where on the hole it will go in. Uh, when you've seen the shot in your mind's eye, feel the swing you need to produce that shot. And when you're standing over the ball, say to yourself, trust it and do exactly that. And this, again, is another, goes back to what we've talked about, Cindy. This is another area that a lot of people, you know, they just get out there and they're, you know, slapping the chips. And yeah, they're watching where it goes, but they don't really go through a process. Um, talk a little bit about that too.
0: Again, you're practicing, you're trying to get your brain to formulate the system that you're going to use when you're on the course, And that being said, you want to practice so your brain knows what it's doing. It doesn't understand whether you're just practicing or if you're in a tournament, and it really counts. So you're you're simulating what it would really be like. That's why pilots have to go in simulators so that they know how to handle things in case they get in a dangerous situation. And for us, a dangerous situation is, you know, oh, my God, don't choke. What are you doing? And so – if you practice doing this, your brain will be, oh, I've done this before. It's not a big deal.
1: So, yes. Right. And, you know, Cindy, I know you work with a, a lot of uh, uh, different various degrees of amateurs, and I know you do a lot of work with, with juniors and that. What do you do when they've got really bad habits um, that are not, you know, conducive to some of the things that we've talked about? How do you break them of that habit? Is it just through repetition or you know, do you you take a rolled up newspaper and give them a a, a cuff on the back of the head, or what do you do? I mean, you've got a lot of students well, when you go to your boot catch. camps. Yeah,
0: they're gonna learn themselves when they don't shoot what they want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I just go, well, guess who's holding the club? I'm not touching the club. You are, and and when you don't, that's why I love the game of golf. It's you know, you're the only one holding the club. So if you don't get if you don't get the results that you want, needless to say, you have to do something about it. Somebody's going crazy.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: You can mute yourself and I'll talk for a minute.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so what I,
0: again, the score is what, we're all looking for. Everyone wants to shoot a score. So if you're not shooting the score you want, you know, I'll ask my students, how can you find five shots? How can you find ten shots? Can you retrace your round and go through it and say, well, that was a dumb mistake. Well, why did I hit it in the trees? Well, I was avoiding the bunker on the left. Well, maybe you could lay up and not hit a driver. <clears throat> so you, and when you go through it and, and you react first you react to what you shoot and then you respond and say, all right, let me go through this and say, I I could have hit that chip better. Maybe I should have used a different club. Then you're willing to look in the mirror to see how you can possibly fix what you're doing. And you can't, you know, Ted's question was, do you hit them upside the head? I don't need to. So if they don't care enough to shoot a better score and they want to blame somebody else, then i might shove a mirror in their face but i you can't do anything about that unless they become personally accountable and responsible to what they shoot and if you're not willing to look in the mirror to see what really the issue is then it's going to be hard for them to be teachable so ted are you back
1: yeah i'm back somebody let the dogs out (laughs) or my apologies for that i um the, the dog was uh, – somebody was coming to the door, and they were going a little crazy. But um, anyways, no, you're exactly right. And, you know, you're the one that's in cor- control of the club, not us as, as teach prof- professionals. And we're trying to, you know, give you some, some tips and some training, if you will, to, to do the things that you're going to need to do to be successful out in the golf course. Um, but ultimately, you know, Cindy, as you just pointed out, it's, it's really up to the individual. Um, you know, you have to be accountable for what you do out on the golf course. Nobody else is going to, um, you know, add strokes to their game um, because you hit a bad shot. You know, if you're playing with uh, in a group or something in a scramble, then obviously they're not going to be too happy with you. But uh, other than that, you are you're the one that's responsible for it. All right, the last one, Cindy, um, which is kind of an interesting one, is um, the par 18 game for the short course, uh, for the short game rather. And this is really an interesting one. So just to give you an example, this is something anybody can do, and I think it's really, really, uh, uh, again, sort of adds a little bit extra pressure. So from around the green, you're going to pick nine locations to play from. You're going to pick three that are easy, three that are sort of a medium difficulty, and three that are very difficult. And each mini-hole, if you will, is a par two. And by playing all nine holes, um, you're going to make a total, of course, par 18. Um, and you you're going to play all nine holes, excuse me, and keep your score and make your 18 your target. So, and you'd be surprised at how if you if you're not cheating um by picking all really easy stuff, um how difficult that can be. But I think that's a great uh, a great little game to play to make it interesting and fun and challenging to yourself. What do you think?
0: Absolutely. You got to get it up and down from nine locations. That's yep. That's, I mean, I would, I would challenge tour players to do that. And I must tell you, our next guest, she could do it because she's got the best short game ever. She's a short game <laughs> wizard. But, um, uh, yeah, this is a great test. Great test. Love this
1: one. Well, and, and what I really like about it is, you know, it, it, they suggest, okay, pick three easy, three medium, and three difficult. And if, for some reason, you get through and you're parring, then what I would do is, um, I would challenge yourself. or if you find that you're you know it's it's a very easy test, then instead of having three, easy, three, medium, and three difficult, up the ante, take away the three easy and and add them to the medium or into the difficult. So make the the, the nine locations more difficult as you become more proficient in it. And that way, it's going to help you really focus in on some of the the difficult challenges and and so forth that you might be faced with. So I, I think it's a great way. Um, to test your skill, particularly around the green. Because really, Cindy, that's where the scoring counts. It happens on the green. It doesn't happen out in the fairway. You're setting yourself up for scoring opportunities, but it really doesn't happen until you get around the green. And really what these four points that we talked about today really help you to define how good of a short game player you want to be. If you want to be a better short game player, then there's things that you're going to need to do um, as um, as players to get out there. And these are just some things that you need to focus on. The tour players are doing it. If it's good enough for them, by gosh, it's good enough for you. Would you agree, Cindy?
0: I would agree. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've seen it so much. Uh, I think you and I and and Alan, um, Cindy's husband, who's been in the game for, for many years as well, and we see this um, w- with so many students where they just are, are not putting any effort into it. And, you know, and then they're, they're you know, crying on your shoulder, wondering why they're, they're game. And it's it, it just not going to happen overnight. It takes time. Golf is not an easy game. It is challenging. That's the fun of it, really, isn't it? I mean, that's, you know, if it was too, too easy, um, you know, people probably wouldn't enjoy it as much but it's the challenge that people really enjoy is the fact. And and it's frustrating at times, as we all know. Um, And I'm sure there's moments, Cindy, when you've been out on tour and uh, maybe weren't playing your best and you just thought, why the hell am I out (laughs) out here? But you know, there's also a side of it that brings you back. What do you think?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You are right on the money. We always get lured back.
1: That's right. You know, it's, You know, it can be just a matter of one or two shots, uh, you know, in a round, or it could be maybe a couple of holes that you strung together that just really came, you know, came on fire. And even if the rest of the round stunk, um, it sometimes can be that shot. It can be those holes. uh, It can be just some part of that day that keeps you coming back. So if you want to have more enjoyment and you want to get out there and play your best golf, then play this uh, show over after the end of it Play it over again listen to the first part and pick up on some of these tips that we just talked about um, very interesting I, I really like that I enjoyed that this morning um, all right we've got a great guest coming up uh, here in fact I see that she's ready and uh, she was actually on the show uh, back in September of last year I think it was on the third uh, her name is Maggie will she's the founder of will to golf and founder and owner of get fit for putting and as I mentioned earlier, she is a three-time LPJ Tour winner. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest back, uh, Maggie Will.
0: Good morning.
2: Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. Thanks for having me on. I was just listening to your last segment, and I love it. I I just issued a challenge to all my kids, uh, and I'm calling it Golo Golf Challenge. And that is for them to go play 80% of their normal yardage and Play nine holes and you know learn to break par, learn to break thirty three, learn to break thirty, um, because they're just sort of getting back into it, and it's a great way to build their confidence and that short game. You got to be sharp to go low.
0: You sure mm. do. You sure do. You want me to go I first, love or all you these Cindy? Challenges. I'll go first. All right. So. Okay. Talk to us about the myths of college golf recruiting. Ooh. Give us the scoop.
2: Yeah, so the promised lands, right? That's the promised land. These juniors are out there playing junior golf in hopes of uh, navigating their way to uh, college golf and who knows, maybe even professional golf. But what I found over the years is that, uh, you know, when I was coaching college golf and then now, um, you know, helping uh, juniors build their playing schedules and play college golf is that I see them make a lot of bogeys before they ever – it up you know before they ever stick that peg in the ground uh they're making bogeys because of so many myths that are out there and uh you know the first one i think of is you know show me the money which is uh you (laughs) know that all of these programs are fully funded right there's uh, a big myth out there that you know there's six scholarships allowed for women at division one four and a half for men and they just assume that every program out there is fully funded and just uh Flushed with cash, and that's that's not the case. Um, you know, a lot of them are being creative in uh, in how they're helping these uh, kids with multiple types of packages, but uh, they're not all fully funded. That's that was the first thing that that I found when I got into coaching. And you know, the parents would come and say, "Well, you have six full scholarships. You know, why aren't you using them?" Uh, not not always the case. Even in a lot of top programs, it was uh, it was very surprising to me. So. Uh, you know saving now and uh uh starting to find out those answers early are 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 a good thing to do
1: I agree whole 100 percent uh, So how does a um,
0: program get funded? Do you have to go raise the money yourself?
2: Well, a lot of times uh college coaches are doing that. A lot of times their athletics departments and their um various foundations are doing that. So a lot of times it's a combination, but uh, uh, certainly um, in certain places where I coached, uh, you, were, you were pegged with whether it was raising your operating budget or some of your scholarship money um, in doing uh, different events. Um, that certainly happens out there. And even at some of the larger programs, um, the coaches, while they're not actually responsible for making those connections and building those programs uh, or events to raise that money, uh, they're, they're very involved in uh, supporting them, if you will, with their presence or with uh, maybe the team's presence to um, to get those. So the the it runs us right into where people think that every college has the same budget, whether it be D1, D2, D3, NAIA, or even all of the Division One programs. Folks think that you know every college golf program or every basketball program has the set budget that's uh, equal throughout. And, uh, that's, that's not the case either. Um, but what I did find when I was coaching college golf that, uh, there are a lot of really, really creative, uh, college golf coaches out there. And while maybe they don't have the largest budget and they don't have a Learjet to fly, you know, from tournament to tournament, like maybe some programs do, um, they, they do, uh, Interesting things, like when I was at UNC Wilmington, we did uh, what we call sort of a tournament swap. Um, Cindy Ho did a great job of building one of the best women's college golf tournaments um, at a really great golf course, Landfall, who happened to host a NCAA championship as well. And uh, what she did was she found a way to bring in all the best college golf teams there for an event. And then from that, she would swap out. So you would think of UNC Wilmington you know, in the scheme of things, it's being sort of a mid-major school because they don't necessarily they – don't, they don't have uh, college football, right? So they're considered, you know, in this bucket of mid-majors. Uh, but yet they provide these uh, wonderful opportunities uh, for their women's golf program by getting to play in Auburn's tournament or UNC's tournament or uh, Oklahoma State's tournament. So there are a lot of creative things out there. Our men's uh, golf coach at the University of Richmond, he – just happened to be sitting at a dinner next to someone. And the guy said, you know, uh, you know, what can I do to help you? And he said, well, I'd like to create this international experience for our kids. And from that developed a a relationship that they go once every four years, which is allowed by the NCAA rules to Ireland. So, you know, it's, uh, it's being creative out there. um, If you don't have all those budgets, So when you, when you go to the big, uh, Top school, and they take you through their uh, equipment room, and you see all the swag and everything. That's all great, but there might be some other um, really neat programs out there that provide experiences that maybe that school doesn't. So that's wow! I, I think to know
0: all this. <clears throat> so yeah, those parents are like, with their hand out, right? Don't you want my kid? And you know, blah blah blah. And my kid is great, and you should do this for my kid and they don't understand that they it's not a free handout. Right. So and what, uh, what's the
2: right attitude parents Well understand? you know, I when 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 folks in on my site, you know, I always recommend to them to be to be picky, right? To be choosy. Um you know, start building their list early of of what it is that their child might want to navigate towards and uh, and by being picky and being choosy me by being picky about the events that you're going to play. It's not about playing every week. It's about going out there and doing Ted's challenge to get better so that when you do play, mm-hmm. you know, you score lower. Um, it's about uh, being picky and choosy of um, where, where are my realistic chances and where are my reach chances? And, you know, the parents, they have to be driving the bus to a certain extent but not be over driving it, meaning what can they do? They can help their child understand, you know, financially what this is going to take and then what it's going to, what's necessary, and then, you know, encourage the junior golfer to, you know, take those reins and take some responsibility. I always tell folks that it's quite a shame that we're asking a, uh, a young person under the age of 18, to make decisions that, you know, even an adult at 35 might not be able to make. So it's a really um, tough and cruel position. But when they get the information and when they uh, become educated about it, it is amazing how that light bulb goes off and they just take to it and they're off to the races, and it's really fun to watch.
0: Let me – I again, I've got – I've got students that have been walk-ons that have played. I've got students that have been recruited and earned scholarships. I've got a student right now who um, is always up for a challenge and was allowed to be a walk-on. And, again, we have a saying in our house, let your clubs do the talking. (laughs) 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 keep your mouth shut and go shoot a score because that's basically all they want. So I've told this student of mine who has not played yet, who thinks it's unfair. And I said, there's no way this coach is going to pick you unless you're shooting two or three shots better than the the person she's taking because you haven't proven yourself in a tournament. And, And all coaches know that when the gun goes off, the scores go up. So what would you say to someone who's trying to fight for their existence, which I was one of these people who I shut up and went and practiced and did what Ted was talking about. What would you, how would you nicely say to them, it's all about what you shoot. And if you shoot lower, the sheriff's going to take you.
2: Yeah. And you're, and you're so correct about this one or two shots lower, right? Because it's like, and you gotta, if you're, if you're the low man on the totem pole, it's like a startup company, right? If you're going out and you're trying to raise money and uh, a company that's, you know, an IBM out there that's been proven and strong and whatever, I mean, it's just so much easier, right? They're proven entity. And um, I, I was one of those kids too, Cindy. I chose to go to Furman. I turned down North Carolina where I would have started and I would have played. I chose Furman. I chose it for the challenge. I chose it for the academic stimulus. And I go there, you know. (laughs) I've got college player of the year on my team. I got a freshman that I'm, you know, rooming with who's going to be college player of the year. You know, I mean, I didn't, we don't know who we are at this point, but they were considerably better than me. And I would go into my coach and I would say, Gosh, I can't believe so and so can play that well and look at their swing or look at their, you know, the way they chip, or something. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was kind of like, you know, what about me? Because I was this little girl from the small town. I was trying to take on this challenge, but I was mad because what is wrong? Why am I not getting the getting the pick or the spot? Because we would qualify for three and he would pick two. And that was because he knew so-and-so might be sick or they might be whatever, but he knew they were a proven entity and he wanted to save those spots. And, you know, he told me uh, – Spring term of my freshman year, he says, Maggie, I get here at seven o'clock every morning, and there's no one on that putting green. There's, you know, I I don't I don't I don't understand it. And he didn't say you're not there. He just said there's no one there. It's it's free and available to get better. And I let he said, I get out of my office right back then. You could say that. So you know, I left there and I was so mad, and I said. (laughs) This guy's going to show up and the screen is going to be like it's snowed with golf balls tomorrow morning. And from that day forward, that's what it looked like for three and a half years. And guess what? Maggie started playing because play. her scores went down because she got better. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's – I had that can-do kind of attitude, and I, I recommend that for every junior offer, you know, put your bag down, figure out your number hit the shot and go pick your bag up and go do it again. You have to have a little bit of grit
0: and determination. And, you uh, do. You do. And it uh, depends on how much you want it. I mean, again, when this girl went there, I said, I think you should redshirt. She looked at me and she goes, redshirt? I'm not redshirting. I said, well, let's look at the numbers here. So she played in one tournament and she was the worst one on the team. And I said, now you've screwed up your redshirt. Well, now that the, you know the schools aren't going back, I said, you would have gotten a whole year of eligibility had you redshirted. Well, I'm going to get that, you know, and I'm like, stop. Don't argue with me, right? And and so yeah. Ted had asked me earlier, are you going to slap them on the head with a newspaper? I said, no, they're going to have to learn <laughs> themselves that I'm not touching the club. And if you really want this, like you did, you were out there every morning. How bad do you want this? And I think yeah, part it- of that is, you know, the poor little rich kid who's given everything and doesn't have to work for anything. Yeah, you
2: know, but that that can happen in family setting. Um, we, we use that sort of saying in quotations. Uh, but there's different kids, the light bulb comes on at different times. Um, I will say this, though, of, you know, thousands of Junior golfers that I've met along the way, or that I've helped, or that I recruited, or that I met while I was in the recruiting—you uh, know, gosh, three to maybe five out of a thousand actually go into college and play at the level that they're playing, or even a better level. Most there's just a little bit of a hiccup there that, uh-oh, I don't know how to get the how to make the machine work for the laundry. Oh, I've met you know, uh, friends to play around with, oh, gosh, that came up quick, that test. Oh, whoa, we were away on a trip, and I forgot to do that report. Um, so it just, the, the level of um, expectations go up, and they don't quite correlate that to how to manage that, and therefore their golf scores go up, and then their grades go down, and it's like we want to go the other way, or they want the grades to go up and the scores to go down. And they end up on this tip the wrong way, and the ones that are gritty and determined, they find a way to turn that back around. Uh, but I really do try to prepare folks for that, but every so often there's one that goes to a place where they do get right into the lineup they're comfortable, and they're off to the races uh, i you know but i but I certainly appreciate the ones that you know want to try to step up and try to stretch themselves. Um, a little bit more out of their comfort zone. Uh, but if they're not really gutsy and gritty, it can go sideways fast.
0: Well, and again, I, I agree because I was like you were. And and I I am all about underdogs. But I just want them to know that they have to have more grit and work a little harder. And if they do, they can get what they want. And, and I'm all about encouraging them. But I just also, you know, the, the number is, you know, what'd you shoot? That's what it is. It's not, you know, well, I did this and I I don't really want to hear it. You know, it's like, what did you shoot? So I agree. And it it is difficult when you go away. I didn't know how to use a washing machine. You know, but you you learn all kinds of new things. So if you were going to tell parents, um, I know I I want you to tell them where they can go to your website, join and and learn all the stuff. But if you were going to talk to a started on the right process, what would you say to them?
2: Well, first I would tell them to really determine what their level is. And like you said, inside of the site, we help them with that. So we help them find events where they can be successful and we find it, help them find events where, you know, they can stretch themselves a little bit. But so many just go straight to the stretch events and they stretch themselves over and over and over again. And their confidence just gets pounded and, and it, it just it, it's, it's horrifying to, to, to see um, instead of doing those, you know, like, hey, I'm really struggling from 10 feet. Well, guess what? Go make a ton of three-footers and then add a 10-footer and make a ton of three-footers and then add a 10-footer. So that's kind of, you know, a, a sort of scenario that's that just a small scale of how to do that. Um, but we also uh, – I want to just jump back real quick to what you were saying about um, them not playing well or, or the, the previous comment there. And the one thing that I – it's just another myth that I want to just bust right out here, and that is that these junior golfers always have to play perfectly in front of the college coach. Um, they're, They're mortified that they're going to have a bad round, and then that's going to mean that they're not going to get recruited. And I'm here to tell you that it is the exact opposite. Coaches want to see the kid play bad. They want to see the junior golfer struggle a little bit, And then what are they gonna do in reaction to that, right? then they're gonna find out really quickly, you know, what is this kid's grit, what is this junior golfers, you know, maturity level in bouncing back from a problem. Because college coaches know there are gonna be problems when they get to college and they're gonna be problems in the classroom, there'll be problems on the golf course, there'll be problems with their friends, there'll be problems with their parents, right? Because they're learning how to stretch their boundaries. And, and they know that, and they want junior golfers who can become college golfers who are just going to be comeback kids, right, that they know how to make a mistake, they know how to admit to it, and they know how to plan for it, and then they actually go out and execute it. And the bonus is that if that plan and that execution actually works, that's like extra credit. They don't know, and you don't have to bounce back on the next exact shot, the next hole, the next nine, the next day. But at some point, there needs to be that maturation where the bounce back happens. And that's the grit, parents. That's what we're talking about. Build that into your junior golfer's uh, mind that it's okay to make a mistake. What's your plan of action to recover from it? Go execute it. And, Like I say, it's a bonus. It doesn't have to be a half to half, but when you can have that conversation in the recruiting with a college coach, hey coach, you know, I know you came out and you watched me play and I shot 83 and I normally shoot 76, but it finally hit me in the face that my putting, you know, my short putting is just atrocious. So here's what I've done. Every day now I've added 50% of my practice to short putting and I've noticed now that you know, I've been doing this for two weeks, and here's my track record over those two weeks. And, hey, by the way, I just played another tournament, and now my average, I'm down to 74. You're a lock. I mean, the coach is going to recruit you six ways to Sunday for that right there. So, awesome. you know, help, help your junior golfer. If parents want to be involved and they want to help, help teach your juniors how to do those sorts of things because parents are doing it every day at work right? They're coming across problems. They're, they're solving them. They're putting actions into, into play, into work that are now going to create new uh, results. And to me, that's what I think that uh, a parent can help, how they can help their junior golfer. And then therefore, that's going to help them navigate the college because they're going to start building a storyboard of when this happened, then this, and then I get this result. And then they're going to get recruited by their reach schools.
0: <laughs> Got it. And one more question, and then, Ted, you can go. Um, is, are all D1 and D2 schools or D3 getting an extra year of eligibility with the COVID?
2: Well, that's, uh, that is the ruling from the NCAA, and a great, great question, because um, that was the ruling, and the ruling was that it was up to the student-athlete they wanted to do it. Now schools are stepping out and saying we're not going to allow it because they don't have the budgets for it. Now schools are stepping out and saying we might let you come back, but we're not going to give you a scholarship. We're going to give it to the one that was incoming. It's a mixed bag would be the best answer to that. And so if uh, I, would, I went straight out to all my 2021s and said you need to be, if you haven't been on the phone, please be on the phone. Please be sending short snippets of videos. Please be staying in close contact with that college coach because I'm getting calls from them saying, hey, how do you think so-and-so would feel if I had to cut their numbers a little bit because, you know, I've got to take care of this fifth year now who's really great and could carry us to another level while this person comes along. And then I've oh, got the opposite where where mm-hmm. coaches are calling and saying, Hey, I, I'm I'm all set for three years. Uh, I don't need anybody, and then three weeks later, call me back and say, Hey, I need somebody for next year. So, it's it's really an all over the board thing, and there is no one answer to it. The answer is the NCA is allowing it. It was supposed to be up to the student athlete. The schools now are cutting into that and saying, Uh-uh, we don't have the budget, but other others do. So you okay. have to reach out to individual each school individually and find out what's going on on that. It's been a real, a real conundrum. What I have found, though, is generally the Division three schools feel like their student athletes are moving on. Um, they've gotten good jobs or they've gotten into grad school and they're moving on. Got it.
0: Go ahead, Ted.
1: Very good. Um, you know, very interesting. I was just listening to you know everything. Uh, you know, Maggie, that, that you were talking about, and it was so spot on. You know, one thing that really stood out, you, you know, that you talked about is, you know, really what the coaches are looking for. Um, you know, sometimes a diamond in the rough, um, you know, can be be their best asset. And, it, it, you know, it's so true what you said that, you know, the kids have to, you know, the coaches want to see you at your worst and then how you respond to that. Um, because that says a lot about your character and it says a lot about um, who you are uh, overall and how you're going to act as a player. I mean, how many times have coaches seen, you know, a player that walks in that just has a phenomenal game, but then a pressure situation comes up and they just have a meltdown out in the golf course or in their practice session because they didn't play as perfectly as they thought they or felt they should. Um, and, and that's something, you know that you know, that you have to really work at and it's going to take time and that's something as you mentioned too that parents can really help at. um i want to ask you something um you know given our current circumstances obviously a lot of folks have been under you know quarantine or lockdown or what have you and they're just coming out for the first little bit here what advice would you give them as far as what they should be focusing on you, you've mentioned about okay re- reaching out to you know the college recruiters and so forth or the coaches but what about um you know they've been a little stagnant let's say for the last you know month and a half two months what should they really be focusing on when they get back out on the golf course now in order to make sure that they bring their game back up to snuff
2: yeah i i have been for the last six, eight, ten weeks ten weeks—you since all of this started, um, really recommending to uh, my members in their weekly email that um, they use this time to develop a plan and, you know, issued like a four-foot challenge, whether that's, you know, most of them have gone out and gotten a carpet to put in their house, and, you know, Mm -hmm. how many four-footers in a row can you make just to make it a game and a challenge, realizing that they were going to get better at their four-footers, right? How great would it be every time you go out to know that inside four feet, count it, right? It would make your long putting uh, a lot easier. It makes your chipping a lot easier. Wow, if those got a lot easier, how much easier would your iron game get? Gosh, if your iron game got easier, how much easier would your driving get? So, you know, it all, it all sort of flows, uh, flows back. Uh, but uh, golf is about problem-solving. Uh, every, every shot is, is a problem, you know, like how do I get this ball from here to there? And so it's, it's developing a a brain to work around those factors. Um, And and Cindy's right. Golfers were perfectionists at all levels. I don't, you know, junior golfers all the way through to the professionals. I mean, it just, it's kind of like our perfection drives us to work harder, but our perfection drives us into the ground too. Um, You know, you talk to a tennis player, they don't know how they won. They just know they won. You talk to a golfer and right. they had a broken part, and they're going to tell you, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. But uh, I've, I've, uh, I've recommended for my juniors to do three types of, um, of, of videoing. One would be uh, if they're not able to get on the golf course, um, go out in the backyard and say, you know, take a plastic ball, take a pine cone, I don't care. Make some swings, right? Explain to the coach what it is that you're working on in your game, what, what the issues were when golf sort of stopped, and things that you've been doing. You know, it's going to show your personality. It's going to show your ability to solve problems. The next would be if the driving range is open or you have a field where you can actually go hit a real golf ball, go hit some real golf balls. Talk about, again, things that you're working on your game that are going to help you improve when you get back. And the last one would be film yourself playing a hole of golf. I mean, you can cut out all the in-between and the walking, but film yourself, you know, with your laser. Oh, it's 280 through this fairway. It's a dog leg right. I'm going to hit my X club, you know, mm-hmm. hit the shot. Tell them why you're trying to hit it down the left side or the right side of the fairway. Now go describe the pins on the right, the green slips left to right. You know, do those sorts of things. You can do that in like a three minute probably or less, um video and you could play one hole of golf so that the coach because we don't know how much junior golf there's going to be how much tournament golf there's going to be and Mm -hmm. just because junior golf is starting back up in places it doesn't mean you have to run right back out there i mean you know coaches are always always going to push you for scores that's their job right that's their job they're a college Mm -hmm. golf coach their job is to create a team that has the lowest scoring average. If you'd like to be a part of that team, shoot scores that will help lower their scoring average. That's, that's the bottom line to it. Now, do a lot of personalities come into it and, and sort of a, a mix of uh, the team culture and all of those sorts of things? Yes, but there are so many programs out there that you're going to fit in one of them, and you're actually going to fit in more than one of them. So you don't really have to sacrifice um, yourself as much as you think you have to, but you do need to communicate.
1: Well said. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, some of the things that you mentioned about what what uh, was really kind of intrigued me over this last little bit is how creative people have gotten at home. You know, you see all the videos and and um, you know posted whether it's on Instagram or or some other social media, and just people have have said, you know what, I'm not going to let this stop me from working on my game. And as you said, they've, you know, they've put a little mat or something, or they've you know, created uh, you know, some sort of a little PlayStation, if you will, um, to hone and, or keep you know, their golf skills up. And it's just amazing, really, to see that even through you know, this diverse time, um, that the, the, the cream rises to the, tr- uh, the, the top, the people that really want to get out there and play are doing things at home while they're stuck at home. In, in preparation, so there's some great, uh, some great words. Just one, one final uh, question uh, as we get ready to to wrap up. If a, if a, a coach has a student that comes in that definitely has the physical game, but is really lacks a lot of confidence, what can a coach do? Um, to help bring that person's confidence up they're just maybe not a uh, uh, maybe they're more of an introvert personality so they're just not somebody that's real confident in themselves but even though they've got a good game what can a coach do to help them out
2: yes yeah, some some uh some juniors are more quiet than others it doesn't necessarily mean they lack confidence a lot of times the bullies in the classroom are the ones that really lack confidence uh but i you know i i would say that uh you know, as, as a college golf coach, you're trying to make your job as easy as possible, right? So some coaches really find that intriguing and they love pulling the best and changing, you know, and getting that, that the the kid that's in their shell, out of their shell, if you will. Uh, But, you know, others, uh, you know, it just, there's not, you know, their focus is on something else. So uh, the communication in finding um, you know, the right environment, whether it be the school environment and or the team environment where you're going to grow um, is important. And that's why I recommend to these parents and the ones that did it, you know, way back, start driving your kids through a college campus. They don't even know what they're looking at the first 10 times. But, you know, eventually then they're going to be like, hey, look at that or, or hey, you yeah. know, or they take them, on, take them on a tour, you know, when they're in ninth and tenth grade. It doesn't mean a hill of beans to them. Everybody has some school, NAIA, D1, D2, D3, somewhere around them that they can drive to within the day and go have a look at things. Uh, Right now, now, the crazy part is there's so many virtual tours out there. Do them. Do them over and over and over. You'll be surprised the education you get from that.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. Well said, Maggie. Um, Maggie, let the folks know how they can reach out to you and uh, your website information so that they want to go and check things out. Um, what's the best way to do that?
2: Yeah, we're www.willtogolf.com. W-I-L-L, a numerical two, G-O-L-F.com. You can get there at T-O, but the numerical two. Uh, and uh, come on the site, check it out. We have tons of free information on there. In addition, you can uh, become a member and see our databases, and uh, I help you uh, navigate. So that's the key.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Maggie, for uh, joining us this morning once again. We appreciate you coming on and, and, um, and instilling some very um, wise and, and, um, and, and well-chosen words to help a lot of our, our college students out there how to navigate and, and get through the system. And we appreciate and and exposing some of the myths that, uh, that maybe they've, uh, they've, uh, thought of, or have heard of. Um, thank you for sharing that. We appreciate you coming on as our guest.
0: Thank you. Thanks Maggie.
1: All right. That was our special guest, Maggie will, um, LPGA professional and uh, founder of will to golf and, uh, 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 founder and owner of get uh, fit for putting a uh, three-time LPJ tour winner a um, lot of information there Cindy just a, a wealth of information for for those that uh, have kids that uh, have aspirations of, of playing college golf right
0: absolutely awesome
1: all right on that note we're out of time thanks everybody for joining us this morning on women of golf And uh, once again, a special thank you to our guest, Maggie Will, for uh, joining us. And we hope that uh, you will join us again next week here on the Women of Golf. On behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odarico. Thanks, everybody. God bless, and have a great week. Stay safe. Thanks, Cindy.
0: Yep. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Castbox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.